Welcome to the Delve Into Money podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. This is the personal finance podcast where we attempt to demystify money by reviewing books and applying what we learn to our own financial journeys. Thank you so much for listening to episode number 29 of the Delve Into Money podcast. Today's world is filled with distractions. There are constantly things pulling on us for our attention and energy. We want to limit noise in our lives and reclaim spaces of silence, stillness, and reflection. Today is week number two of looking at the book, Redeeming Time. And so we're going to break down how to remove noise and specifically financial noise from your life. In chapter three of Redeeming Time, Jordan Rayner talks about how in redeeming our time, we need to block out noise and create room for silence, stillness, and reflection. Noise in our life limits our ability to redeem our time or in a different phrasing, manage our time well. First, it limits our ability to think. When there's noise going on around us, We are going through this transition of a new baby, and it's amazing how silent our house was before. Before, if there was any little peep or drop of something or video being watched, either one of us would get irritable at the other. But now that we have a newborn, our opinion on noise has completely changed. Our house is completely different. But I know that even still, our ability to think or do things that are deep as far as reflecting or just thinking more deeply, are inhibited by the noise that is around us. This could be physical noise, but this also could be noise based off the space you're in. This could be noise in a lot of other ways. The second way that noise limits our ability to redeem our time is it limits our ability to be creative. To be creative, we need deep, focused work And to build something intentional, we need that type of thing. Number three, noise limits our ability to cultivate depth. And so it makes it hard for us to go deep on things. We tend to stay more shallow when noise is happening around us. And this is something that's all too common in today's world is so many conversations, so many people are struck with this shallowness that just happens because they're constantly filled with the noise of the phone in their hand, the noise around them in their life, whatever that looks like. And number four, noise limits our ability to be patient. It creates anxiety in our life. It eliminates peace in our life. And then noise limits our ability to listen to God's voice. And this is done through intentional silence and solitude. Used to, you could stand in a line and you had nothing to do besides look ahead of you and wait in that line. But now if you look at any line, any busy place, you see all the people on their phone or electronic media, and there really is no silence around us. But this is going even a step further of seeking out silence. So whether that be in a morning time with yourself Even if you're not a Christian, this could be done through meditation or setting aside a time for journaling in the morning. But it's that intentional silence away from other people that allows you to reflect and listen for God's voice 
or listen for that inner voice that you have inside of you. So you may be asking, okay, you've told me that noise is this big problem. So how can we remove these distractions from our life? So in chapter three of Redeeming Your Time, Jordan Rayner had eight practices for reducing noise. I'm going to first list each of these practices, then we're going to hone in on just a few of them. Practice number one was let your friends curate information for you. So this is the idea that we don't want to consume the news. We want to let other people bring the news to us. I have been practicing this for a long period of time now for for a handful of years, and it's amazing. You still hear all of the important things that are going on in the world. We knew when Afghanistan was happening. We knew when COVID was happening. We knew or know when the stock market is crashing. We know all of these things, and it's because people around you inherently talk about the news. And so you want your friends or family or those people around you to be the curators of news for you. Practice number two, stop swimming in infinity pools. Now, this is a concept from Make Time that we talked about in the uh, first episode of this podcast, and it is one that I absolutely love and have continued to try and abide by on my phone and everywhere else. I will link to episode one where you can get a deeper dive into infinity pools, but we want to get out of those news feeds on our phones, on the web, that just keep updating and keep us pulled in, seeking more and more content. Practice number three is we want to choose more filtered content. So this is choosing content that goes through gatekeepers, be that editors, publishers, whatever else. A great example of this is books or well-known publications. The reason this is better is because those thoughts have gone through multiple people and they're more fleshed out ideas. And so we want to focus on more fleshed out ideas. Now, this can definitely be different in certain things. Like if you're talking about, you know, uh, trying to be on the cutting edge of something, whether it's some sort of technology, say cryptocurrency, you need to be viewing those unedited sources. But for the majority of our media, we should be going through filtered content. Practice number four, renounce or attain independence from social media. The, the wrong question about social media is, is it valuable? Because there is value in social media. Let's, let's not get it twisted. Let's not overstate this. But the right question is, how much value does it bring and at what cost? Let me repeat. How much value does it bring and at what cost? I loved this question when Jordan stated it in the book. When we reframe it and look at the value that it brings and the cost that it brings to our life, we can then weigh it in a true sense. We can view what value am I getting from this? It's maybe keeping up on people in your life. Maybe you see these updates and so you feel more connected to these people. But then you realize that it's costing you two to three hours a day, which is an average for many Americans. So then the question is, is that two to three hours a day worth keeping up with this broad array of people? Or would you be better off? What thing could you replace and be better off with? 
And what you'd actually be better off with is having conversations with people around you, with being intentional about making connections with people in your life, about making a phone call to a person to just catch up. We need to confine the when and the where and put limits and checks on our ability to get on social media. Remove it from your phone, use screen time, or use apps to limit our access. Social media has a way of sucking up the time in your day, so we want to limit its ability to do that. Practice number five is to parent your phone. Give it sleep and wake times. Leave it out of your room and then don't pick it up for an hour after waking. We could go so deep on that one right there, but I've seen this talked about more and more, and I absolutely believe in this. I think we need to do this, and we've not done it well enough. But parent your phone. If you're not going to allow your kids to have their phone, why should you have your phone? And I think that's a valid question to be asking. Practice number six, get comfortable with the crevices of your day. Don't fill every spot with your phone. Don't fill it with a podcast. Don't fill it with music. Leave spaces for silence. Leave spaces for your mind to just run during the day. Practice number seven, take a walk. I've been taking walks most days and I can confirm that that walks have been mentally cleansing. It's a great practice to clear your mind, to create some place for silence and solitude. Practice number eight, write what you think. And this is the practice of journaling. Journaling will help you clarify your thoughts in ways that you can't clarify them as they just bounce around in your head. Journaling makes you dig deeper on those things you're feeling and really process those emotion. Each of these practices is extremely valuable, but to focus on the financial takeaways we're going to extract from this, I want to focus on just two, and that is letting your friends curate your information and renounce or attain independence from social media or really just any media at all. So let's jump into each of those. So the first one of letting your friends curate your information, we're going to put a little bit of a twist on this one. Too often we spend money on media and subscription services that can add up and wreck our budget. We used to have one cable bill and that's it. But as we fractionalized the media ecosystem, we've ended up with a wide array of services. Let's start out by saying this, you do not need all of those services. You can easily end up spending more than you would have on a normal cable subscription without even realizing it. There are too many people out there that are spending money on services they don't realize they're spending money on. That's why it's important that you do a subscription audit at least once a year. You will most likely have to do this manually by looking at your transactions and extracting out the services you use. Pair this with your friends to use services for a specific reason. Hopefully, none of the services are listening because I'm not sure whether this is completely legal or not, but instead of subscribing to a bunch of services, pick one. Then, when you hear about a good show, figure out a friend who has that service. Ask them if you can borrow their password for watching this one specific show. Once that show is done, get rid of that password, get rid of that service, don't be a leech on that service. Doing this will also help you overall watch less things, take on too many new shows, that sort of thing. 
This in turn is letting your friends curate your shows for you. We waste too much time on TV and media. The average American spends four hours a day watching TV. That is ridiculous, people. Quit being a zombie and go do something. Most of this time is watching random shows, new shows, repeating classics we liked. And instead of defaulting to this, don't watch anything unless you have a recommendation from a friend. So this is applying this, letting your friends curate your information, letting your friends curate your news. This is applying it to our media intake. And I think this can be super, super helpful in helping you spend less and then also take in less. One thing we do before we move on is, is we actually track every one of our subscriptions. We have an individual line item on our budget for each one of our subscriptions. So if a charge happens and we don't have a budget item for it, we know that it's a new or some out of place subscription. And so this helps us remember what subscriptions we have and regularly review them for whether we want to keep them or not. And so I would encourage you to do the same, even if you don't get super detailed on budgeting, just create a budget line item for each subscription. With automation today, you tell it this, this vendor goes to this and you never have to touch it. And so all it does is it's a constant reminder of which subscriptions or services you have. So let's move on. Let's talk about renouncing or attaining independence from social media. The average American spends more than 1,300 hours on social media in a year. That's three and a half hours in a day. Now I know you're going to tell me you're doing other things while you're on social media, that you're not just on social. And I, I get it. I get it. I don't care though. I don't care because that three and a half hours represents three and a half hours of the day that you are distracted. That's horrible. That is absolutely destructive to your brain. That's destructive to your relationships. That's destructive in so many ways. First, Let's parent our phone at night and in the morning. I will admit I need to do a better job of this. Second, we want to create some boundaries. If you don't create boundaries, social media and your phone will fill the time that you allowed it. So let's turn this around and talk about this in the framework of a financial lesson. Your addiction to media is costing you more money. Everywhere you look, you see ads. These ads are priming you to purchase. Sure, you don't pay attention to them. I get it. They aren't for you. They're not causing you to buy. But with more and more targeted ads happening on the internet, things are becoming more relevant than ever. The average person sees between 280 and 310 advertisements per day. Say that you decide to buy a jacket, so you look it up on Amazon. You find one you like, but you just can't make a decision, so you don't pull the trigger. But as you go about the internet, that jacket follows you. Even if you don't buy the jacket, it's a constant reminder that you wanted the jacket. It imprints that memory of looking deeper into your subconscious. Used to, you probably wouldn't even remember the jacket until you saw it again the next time you went to Amazon or whatever site or wherever you went in the physical world. But now you remember it. And even if you don't buy it, you may end up buying another one. And they have won. They've pressured you without you even notice to making that purchase. Advertising makes us feel that we're not good enough, that we're not living up to the standard of this world, 
It does it subconsciously in a way that we don't see or hear it. Advertising makes us think that everything we need is for sale. So when we see sales, we just assume that this is a great deal and that this is only going to come around once and that it may force us or feel forced into making a purchasing decision that we were going to put off. And each time you move a purchasing decision up, you're making a decision to spend more in the long term. Advertising makes us associate happiness with consumerism. And this is probably one of the most destructive because it's when you buy that new thing that we're told that if we buy it, we're going to be more happy. The reality is, is that buying that thing is going to be a very fleeting happiness, a very short-term happiness. And so we want to avoid that mindset, but advertising makes that association for us. And then we inherently, without thinking, adopt this mindset. So we want to do what we can to avoid advertising as much as possible. Joshua Becker from Becoming Minimalist has an article where he talks about this, which I'll link in the show notes. Some ways to reduce how much advertising we see are the following. One, we can watch less television. I know that's a hard one to hear, but we probably should. Unsubscribe from email newsletters, magazines, and junk mail lists where you're getting all of those discounts, where you're getting all those reminders that this company is out there, that this thing that you might want in the future is out there. It's going to result in you spending more over time. Number three, go shopping less. Just only go shopping when you know you have this one item you need. Don't go shopping on a whim. Don't go shopping just to to browse you're going to end up spending more money than you need to. Number four, configure your computer to block pop-up ads. I have not done this, so I can't give a personal testimony of this, but I know people who do, and I probably should do this as well. And then number five, we don't want to ignore ads. It would seem like we would want to ignore them, but we actually want to look at them and we want to see through them. We want to see what they're selling to us. So we talked about Ads are there to make us feel like we're not enough. They're there to tell us things are on sale. They're there to make us associate happiness with consumerism. So if we can recognize that that's what this ad is doing, then we can create distance between us and that ad and make that ad not effective on us. When you get out of the consumerism mindset, you want less. When you want less, you spend less. When you cancel subscriptions, you see less and then less want less. When you stop looking at coupons for discount, you spend less over time because you're not spending as much as quickly. And then the biggest trap, the biggest trap that I see so many falling for is this idea of a deal. So many of these deals are manipulations of the mind and they're not really truly discounts. You can do some research on this, but I just promise you. Most of the deals that you think you've gotten probably aren't what you think they are. So when you need something, that's when you need to start looking. You don't need to keep an eye out. You don't need to prepare well in advance. This is buying into that consumerism mindset and increasing your spending over time. I would bet that most of us are better off getting the high quality item only when we absolutely have to have a replacement than we are of keeping our eye out for discounts on items that we might want in the future. 
think over time we're replacing quicker than we would otherwise than if we just waited and got the premium item, even if it's not on sale. I know I've preached a lot at you today. I know that's a lot of preaching. That's a lot of guilt I'm sure you felt or a lot of annoyance at me that I'm sure you felt. But I hope that this was motivating in getting you to spend less money by reducing your subscriptions and getting off social media and ignoring or getting away from as many advertisements as possible. These will not only benefit you financially, but it'll also help you be more productive in your day-to-day life. And I promise that you will see payoffs from this over time. I can promise you I have. It has absolutely changed the way I go about my days. Next week, we'll continue on and actually dig into goal setting and break down a framework that will help you better set financial goals and improve your ability to achieve them. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you've not subscribed, please go subscribe. Please share this with someone. Great one to share with your spouse because you've got to do this stuff together, right? You need to be on the same page. So encourage you to share that with them. Until next week, remember healthy financial decisions are intentional financial decisions. Intentional decisions this week lead to a healthy financial future. Start today and we'll see you next week.